Hello and welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business for 28 years. I've had a lot of questions lately and a lot of talk about mental toughness. And as I've said before in, in the just the previous last podcast, I love talking about sport and exercise psychology issues, so I'm excited to talk a little bit about that today. Mental toughness is hard to define, um, hard to get a hold of, and a key component to anybody's success, not only, of course, in elite athletics, but in any kind of athletics and in the gym and really anywhere else. It's just... Uh, you know, how do, how do we define it and how do we grasp a hold of it and how do we improve it? Well, first off, let's look at what it is. So mental toughness is the ability to keep moving forward and doing our best despite information we might be receiving or thinking that we're receiving or despite on outcomes we might be getting whether positive or negative. And again, a lot of that is perception. If you look at some of the best athletes that have ever played in any sport, you will know that the what separates them from the middle of the pack professionals who are already far better than everybody else is the mental toughness or mental gain component. There's absolutely no question about that. To become a professional athlete in any sport, you have to have an elite amount of talent. I mean, less than 1% of the population ever get a college scholarship to play sports, let alone become a professional. So it is extremely difficult to become a professional athlete in any form, whether it be swimming, Gymnastics, um, you can argue they're not professional, but they are. Uh, As far as I know, the Olympics is supposed to be amateur. Now they're professional, but they are very much professional athletes. Football players, baseball players, golfers, tennis, you name it. It is so hard to become a professional athlete. You have to have an elite amount of talent. And the average person that hasn't um, been around a lot of top athletes, they would be amazed at the, uh, the level of the guys who say get cut from a professional football team like the Dolphins or the Jaguars or the Buccaneers for us in Florida or any other team. You know, the guys that don't make it, you would be amazed at their talent and how little bit of a drop off there is from the guys that actually made the roster and even from those that are starting starters and even for those that are all-stars or all pros. You're not going to notice it, I promise you that. If we line them all up and we did 100 meter sprints and they all threw footballs and caught footballs or they all dribbled the basketball or they all drove the golf ball or they all hit tennis balls, you and I for the most part are not going to distinguish who the elite physical talented athletes are. So they're all talented. I think I've made that point very effectively. 
So what separates them from the All-Stars, not, not always, I mean, sometimes there are, is politics involved, absolutely, sadly, in everything. There's politics, and sometimes that's why guys get cut. I also believe, though, that, um, you know, with, with enough uh, grit, they can maybe overcome that, but I am going to acknowledge that sometimes there's politics. But what separates the greats from the goods from the ones that get cut is really the mental game, the mental aspect of it. I mean, I have talked to so many different people that have played and, you know, they, they couldn't grasp some of the mental components of the game. So if you look at the greatest in the sports in our era and me being a Gen Xer and then we can, uh, you know, look at the baby boomers a little older than me and then we have the uh, millennials a little younger than me and all that. You know, we, we, we could all probably say who the greatest athletes are of the day. You know, in basketball, we'd have to say Michael Jordan. And in golf, we'd say Tiger Woods. Now, if you know anything about those athletes at all, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you, there was nothing more competitive and mentally tough than those guys. I had a conversation with a client just yesterday, and we were talking basketball, and we were talking about the physicality of LeBron James. And for those that watch basketball, they know that this guy is just a phenom. I mean, he is six foot eight, 240 or 50 pounds. Maybe he weighs more than that. I don't know. He's chiseled. There's not an ounce of body fat on him. He can dribble, dribble the basketball. He can shoot the basketball. He can dunk the basketball. He can play defense. He is bigger than Michael Jordan. I'm sure faster than Michael Jordan. But does not have that mental toughness that Michael Jordan was famous for. Some people say Michael took it too far. I don't know. I'm just talking from the, the side of athleticism here and competitiveness. He had that profile of a person that just refused to lose and never saw setbacks, never saw them as a way to stop him. He had setbacks. He had a famous commercial years ago that said, um, he has missed over, what did he say, over 60% of his shots or something like that. Yeah, because he probably hit 40% or something like that, maybe a little bit better. And, uh, you know, but that never stopped him. In other words, think about that. If you miss 60%, that would make somebody go, oh, that's not very good, which, of course, that's ridiculous because that's extremely good in the NBA. And his point was, that if he would have stopped when he missed shots, then he would have never been the all-star and world's greatest basketball player if he would have let any little bit of setback set him back. So it's the mental side of the game that separates these guys. If you look at baseball, if you look at especially pitchers, they're on the mound and they are in the most difficult situation they can be in. They might have bases loaded and the bottom of the ninth or whatever and they're up against some of the greatest hitters and they have to get them out if if you don't think that's pressure uh, I don't know what to tell you um, so anyway some people call the mentally tough athlete the the iceberg profile in other words you know what is it that makes them so mentally tough the first thing you have to do if you want to get mental toughness if you want to improve your mental toughness is you have to detach from the activity personally. One of the biggest mistakes I've seen as a coach 
is people lump their self-esteem too much into their sport. And oftentimes that comes from situations where somebody was a little bit, uh, they never got over some issues they had. And look, we all have issues. I mean, come on, we all have psychological, mental, emotional issues, of course. And sometimes those issues carry on into the sport, whether you're an amateur or whether you're a professional, everybody has issues. And if you carry that self-esteem into your game, it's gonna be hard to be very mentally tough you need to learn how to detach. In other words, there's a big difference between saying, I lost today in tennis versus I'm a loser. And you think, well, who does that? A lot of people and even professional athletes. You may, of course, never see that in the interviews, of course. I mean, although sometimes you actually do when somebody really has a breakdown and they're getting interviewed, sometimes you see it. But when you, when you see that attitude, when, when they feel like they're a loser because they lost, it's very, very hard to get that mental toughness. Of course it is. They have to work on that first before they can even get to the point of making themselves more game day tough or mentally tough. So the opposite of mental toughness really is a fear of failure. And a fear of failure means that you basically are afraid to put yourself on the line because you are you are making your sport too much of you like michael jordan was the greatest basketball player on earth he would probably argue he's a lot more than that that's healthy that's a healthy perspective some people will only identify themselves as a basketball player or a swimmer because maybe that's where they got their greatest praise maybe that's where they got their greatest praise from their parents, who knows, from their role models, who knows. But when you identify too much with that and you're not able to separate, you're gonna probably develop what's called a fear of failure. And a fear of failure means that if you fail at the sport or the activity, or it could be any activity, public speaking, your job, whatever, then you're a failure. And of course, that is not true. And when we get healthy enough to realize that, we realize it. But before we realize it, then that's how we look at it. And what a fear of failure does is it keeps you from trying. So you're just not going to really give your best because you're afraid if you do, you're going to get found out that you're not very good. So that's a fear of failure. Before you really can really start working on your mental toughness, you have to identify that and start working on that. So one of the first tips to make yourself more mentally tough is to detach from whatever you're doing. Whether it be running, triathlons, tennis, golf, weightlifting, bodybuilding, you are not your sport, you do your sport. Too often I hear people say, and we, we joke about it, but there are people that say, well, I'm not really a runner, but they're running 5Ks. I mean, what does that mean? Well, that's kind of a fear of failure right there. They don't want to say they're, you know, a runner when really none of us are a runner. None of us are a weightlifter. None of us are a football player. In other words, we do those activities. We are not those activities. So I happen to run. I'm not a runner. What's a runner? I'm a person, right? I run for cardio. I bike for cardio. I lift weights to gain strength and to keep up my muscle mass and my muscle tone. 
I've done bodybuilding competitions. It doesn't mean I'm a bodybuilder. Like all those things, those labels make it very hard for us to separate. So I always help people with that little bit of, you know, flipping how we identify ourselves. Oh, I'm a golfer. Okay, well, you just put all this pressure on yourself. Instead, well, I'm a person, but yeah, I enjoy golfing. I enjoy tennis. I like to play tennis. So we have to really separate and detach from the sport. That's the first thing we have to do. So we, and, and by doing that, we're not, we're not taking it so serious. We cannot take it so serious. There's a funny story I'll share that I read about because I love reading sports biographies. And Joe Montana was in his very first Super Bowl. I don't remember. I think this might have been 1981. He, he, he won four, I believe. But he was in his very first one, and he was pretty young. And uh, they're making their comeback. I believe it was against the Cincinnati Bengals, if I remember right. I, I don't remember completely, but I think I'm right on that. And he was young, and he was still young. And they're making a comeback because they were down in the game, and I believe it was the fourth quarter. And he has everybody huddle up. He's going to give the play. And he looks over into the stands, and he says to the rest of his teammates in the huddle, he goes, holy cow, check that out. That's John Candy over there. And everybody looks over, they look at John Candy, they look back at Joe Montana, and they're like, oh, can you be any cooler? Can you be, like, any more relaxed in this situation? They're like, dude, I mean, this is the Super Bowl, and we're losing, and you're, like, looking at John Candy. But he was so relaxed, and basically what he said was, relax, we got this. And they did. They went down the field, they scored the go-ahead touchdown, and, and he won his first Super Bowl. So... That's a famous story about mental toughness. He didn't take it so freaking serious, even though he was in the Super Bowl and he won the MVP. So one of the things we have to do to become more mentally tough is detach. It's not that serious. It's, it's not life and death. It's a sport. For most of us, it's not nearly as important as it is for professional athletes. So we have to detach from it, all right? That's, that's number one. Number two, we have to have amnesia. In other words, that the greatest athletes who are mentally tough forget their mistakes. They don't dwell on them. If they make a mistake, you know, I played golf, and notice I said I'm not a golfer, and God knows I'm not. <laughs> I played golf, and oh my goodness, oh my God, I'm terrible. So, if I make a bad shot, which is pretty much almost every other shot, if not every two shots to one, if I sit there and, and kick myself and, and just analyze what a crappy shot it was, of course my next shot is going to be terrible. So in that or tennis or any sport that requires the next swing, you have to detach. You have to have amnesia, all right? Meaning the best athletes just tell themselves, I forget all about that, moving on. So one of the steps from the famous sports psychologist, Jim Lear, is called the 16-second cure. And essentially what it is, is you let out some emotion, you miss a shot in tennis, whatever, you know, you kind of, ah, man, shit, whatever. Okay, you let out some emotion, you acknowledge it, you acknowledge it. You look at your opponent, if you're playing against somebody like in tennis, and you, and you turn it positive. Hey, good job, good job. Way to make me work, way to make me miss that shot. You know, whatever. You turn it into a positive. 
And then you tell yourself the next thing you're going to do. And you do some sort of physical thing. Like in tennis, you might bounce the tennis ball three times. In golf, maybe you take a little practice swing. Who knows? I mean, this is for like racket and bat sports and things like that. Not running, you know, I guess if you're behind in a race, you know, and you're behind in a 5K, you know, and the guy passes you to scream, you know, shit as loud as you can might be entertaining as hell and scare the hell out of them. But, you know, it would be wildly inappropriate and probably wouldn't help you a whole lot. But I, I, I think you get my point. But anyway, so we let out a little bit of emotion. This is how we get back on track. We let out a little bit of emotion. We give our opponent, if there is one, some credit. So in a 5K or whatever, and somebody passes you, absolutely do that. Absolutely, you know, always smile for one thing. There's it's greater energy when you have a smile on your face. Even if you are absolutely hating life at the moment, smile. And if they run by, say, good job, man. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. You know, be positive. So you can do that part of it there. Then collect yourself and say, okay, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Game plan. And if you're in a situation where you can do a physical act, like bounce the tennis ball three times, if you're playing baseball or softball or something like that, step out of the batter's box, do a little swing, take a deep breath and go back to work not thinking about what mistake you just made. Okay, so that's the next trick to get your game up. All right, and finally, the final point on all of this is really watch what you say to yourself. Watch what you say to yourself. You know, I'm, you know we don't have to sit there maybe and say all these affirmations and stuff, but any negative talk, just get rid of it. Just just get into the next thing that you're doing and move on. And it, mental toughness is like anything else. If you work on that muscle, that muscle is going to get stronger. If you always cave, if you always get negative, if you always quit, you know, and, and mostly it's getting negative. That, that's not mentally tough. That's mentally soft. That's mentally soft. If you're, oh man, that sucks. I didn't do very well, you know. Okay, you're being soft, you know, suck it up, buttercup. You know, instead, you know, acknowledge whatever, didn't have your best day, don't take it so serious, tell yourself you're gonna come back stronger the next time. So one of the things we always have to do is watch our self-talk. We can't get negative if we screw up. If we think we screw up, we're gonna freaking screw up. The fact we're out there staying strong, doing stuff is the important part. But we really gotta watch that negative self-talk okay so really hopes that hope this helps mental toughness can be worked on it's just like any muscle we can go into anything we're doing and tell ourselves we're gonna have amnesia meaning we're gonna forget any mistake we might make because we're gonna make them don't take ourselves so freaking serious it's it's not a big deal separate yourself from the activity please quit saying you're a golfer you're a tennis player you're a bowler you're a runner, you know, forget it. You, you do all those things. Don't identify so you're not putting all this pressure on yourself. Be positive. Keep a smile on your face and always congratulate anybody you're competing against. That energy will come back to help you, okay? Mental toughness, I love it, all right? And right now I want to thank my mentally tough sponsors because without them we don't have a podcast. It's not free. And those mentally tough sponsors are Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow 
and over a hundred million in sales sold between the two of them. That's pretty damn good, people. Now is absolutely the time to list your house if you're planning on downsizing and they're the people to do it for you. So I really hope you give them a shout. Please give them a call at 386-451-2412. And until next time, be max fit, be max well.